Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to Hunter Hunter, a podcast by the HBO Boys. That is Boys with a Z. I am one of said boys, Ryan, here to do episode 10, Trick to the Trick. The summary of which goes like this. Gone Baby Gone and Pika Pika have won their matches, giving the group a 2-1 to lead. But their opponents claim that Majitani is only unconscious and not murdered. So Pika Squared's match hasn't been settled. Mr. Oreo grows impatient with Pika Pika, who refuses to finish the job. The five members begin to bicker as time ticks away. And as Less Than Jake says, friends leave as time fades away. The people and the places along the way. Without a doubt. Yeah, screws fall in, and screws, they fall out. That was both irrelevant and underwhelming. A kitschy pair. Before we get back into Hunter Hunter and to episode 10, go over to patreon.com slash hboboys, boys with a Z. You get these episodes early, and you get a bunch of bonus content made by James and I. I try to on a pretty constant basis, and by constant basis, I mean over the last, like, three weeks, but it's going to be a thing we do in the future. Try to record, like, 10 to 15 minutes of bonus content before we start recording just the banter that we do. Sometimes I don't even tell James I'm doing it. It's a fun surprise for him when he finds it on the internet. So head on over there, just a dollar a month, bunch of bonus content, and it's going to be pretty neat. Any hoozles. We port back to phase three of the 287th Hunter exam, just as Pika Pika has straight donkey punched Majitani, who's now laying on the floor, motionless. Pika then takes his place, sitting in the back of the pack, looking somber, like someone might have just reminded him that all his friends and family are dead, while Mr. Oreo, Gone, and Kilowatt look ready and willing to get this phase over and done with. The rookie crusher, standing to the side, already having done his worst, is just chilling there and not being thrown into the pit to his death, which is hard to understand, but we're all trying. Mr. Oreo is up for the fourth round of this contest, while Lippo, the examiner from afar watching on all his TVs, is still eating cookies like he's some sort of monster who lives on some sort of fictional puppet-based street. He's still looking on and watching as LaRoot, still clad in a robe and the next prisoner, who's definitely a lady, steps forward and says that due to a technicality, Majitani and Pika's match is not over yet because they agreed that it was to the death, and while Majitani has been squeezed for most of his life juice, he still has a few sips left. This is obviously another stall tactic, which to be fair is exactly what the convicts should be doing to get their sentences down as much as possible in the first place, but no one I don't think on the adventurer side realized how much trouble in this moment they'd actually be in before they understood that Pika Pika would have a tough time murdering an unconscious person. Kilowatt thinks that technicality is not so much a technicality at all, and that the lady is right, so he's like, Just go murder the pastel blue dude and let's be done with it. And then Gon agrees with him, which is interesting. I still think it's the most interesting part of this entire show. It's just slowly but surely defining what Gon Baby Gon's moral compass is and how much of it is based off of naivete and how much of it is based off of perhaps the audience underestimating how much Gon actually knows about himself as a person, even a child at the age of 12. I mean, take it this way. Goku would not be on the side of murdering the unconscious person, right? I mean, I don't know. Did the unconscious person kill his family? Did he stab Gohan? We don't know. But 
usually Goku would be like, I mean, that's kind of messed up. Not fair, right? And then Vegeta would be like on the other side of the conversation and the argument saying, listen, it's not a technicality. That's what the exact parameters of the fight were. Just go murder them and let's be done with it. Stop being such a weakling. And I think it's just interesting that Gon cannot be compared to Vegeta's ruthlessness or lack of faith in this moment, but does still have the same opinion. Also the opinion that Kilowatt just came up with, but that one's easier to understand. Kilowatt's a murderer. Gon just has an incredibly pragmatic way of looking at things, and I'm just not sure yet if that's mostly because he's a child, or if again, we're just underestimating how much he knows about himself. But that's the juice right there. That's what I'm most interested in, just... Who is gone? What's his goddamn deal? Mr. Oreo also agrees that he is an easily manipulated loser who will do anything to get his way. <laughs> he doesn't say that. I just, I'm being hard on Mr. Oreo, but whatever. That's my line in the sand. This is the beach I'm going to die on. Mr. Oreo sucks. Anyway, Mr. Oreo says the same thing Kilowatt and Gon say. Hey, Pika Pika, get on over there. Murder blue, dude. Let's get this over with. Pika Pika then says no. Magitani can decide his own fate when he wakes up. But the problem with that is the group doesn't know when that's going to be. They only have so many hours left, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to anyone outside of Pika Pika. But hey, he just said it. He won't fight an unconscious bro, and by fight, I mean murder, which I get. But I do think it spells out a little bit more exactly what this anime is about, where it is on the spectrum of morality. Only one person is on the side of, hey, let's not kill the unconscious person. Which, by the way, in this situation, if it was real life and it was me, I assume I would be on the side of, well... I guess, I don't know, push him over the edge. That was the deal. But who knows, man? I don't know. I have no idea what this would actually be in my brain in real life. It's an insane situation. It just shows how much reality is divorced from entertainment, where most of us in the audience are just like, oh, come on, throw him over the edge, shut up, you're being a pussy. <laughs> and if you were actually standing there, you'd be like, hmm, hmm, being a hunter, murdering a passed out dude. <laughs> what a seesaw. What a catch-20 zoo I'm trapped in. It is at this moment that Kilowatt's like, well, if you don't want to kill him, I'll do it. I mean, like, I've recently murdered two other people for just looking at me weird. So I'll, you know, murder them right now, not breaking a sweat. What's a third in two days, you know? He doesn't say all those things, but he does say, like, I'll murder them. Can I murder them? Just let me murder them. At which point the moral conundrum is posed to Pika Pika. Is it just that he doesn't want to kill the unconscious person? Or is it that weaklings like this one don't deserve to die just because they're weak? Kilowatt then brings up how much of this has to do with you never killing anybody, Pika Pika. And since you're a murder virgin, I'll just, like, do that for you. I'm a hero! Pika says it doesn't matter if he has never killed anyone before, and it's not about that. And also, plus, it's my fight. You can't interfere. And Kilowatt's like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. But also just, like, letting you know you're a selfish-ass bitch, and I'm a child who's willing to murder, so... You best come correct around me, idiot. Mr. Oreo then decides that he shall bring up majority rule once more, as that is the conceit of this five-person team. And they must vote to kill or let it lie, as the rookie crusher has a smirk on his face. And you would assume that as this vote is coming up, he's going to do some gosh dang foolishness. An amount of foolishness that could not happen at the bottom of a pit, for the record. But it turns out that the questions only work when the examiner is the one asking it as they push the buttons or zero or an X, one of which is to murder, and it doesn't work at all. So the next plan Mr. Oreo comes up with is, okay, cool, let's raise our hands. And if you raise your hand, it's for murder. And if you leave it down, it's for not murder and chill. But again, it's just a bad plan because it's Mr. Oreo's plan. So that tracks. Well, oh, which, by the way, 
Everyone needs to tell James to talk about his tracksuits on our podcast. His whole family now wears tracksuits. They're a tracksuit family, and it's killing me positively. It's just the best. So, Mr. Oreo again says, let's vote the old-fashioned way. Raise our hands. Kilowatt says, why vote? It's not going to change Pika Pika's mind. And then Gon says, yeah, I mean, even if we do vote, I've been swayed by Pika Pika's words. I don't want to kill the unconscious person. Further making his moral compass question even more interesting. He heard a good argument, and he was like, hmm, all right, well. Or maybe he's afraid of being judged. Or maybe he's just a malleable 12-year-old. I don't know. It's as much of a mystery as to why he just changed his mind as it was five minutes ago when he was like, sure, murder. I'm just saying, most TV shows do not have this amount of room for character development for their main character. It's intriguing. Mr. Oreo sulks after the rookie crusher rubs losing in his face while Gon says, aw, he's sulking, (laughs) which is hilarious. I love when people say what other people are doing to their faces. Aw, you're crying. Why are you crying? Stop crying. Then, weirdly, the Rookie Crusher starts teaching an internal monologue lesson to the audience about majority rule and basic economics. He talks about how Mr. Oreo is always in the minority, and his resentment and forced alienation and anger towards the team will eventually tear them all apart, and that making people vote with their hands up and not just pressing an X or an O takes the anonymity out of the situation. It's like the Rookie Crusher talks for three minutes and he is a professor in Econ 101 class. It was like the author, like the person who wrote Hunter Hunter, was learning about this subject and was like, I'm going to put a little lesson, okay? You know, I-, I watch a lot of The West Wing. It's one of my favorite shows. That's a show that's not afraid to give you a civics lesson. Hunter Hunter, oddly enough, in between the murder and the friendship, is like, would you guys like to learn about the principles of economics and group behavior? I don't care. I'm going to teach you anyway. And then out of nowhere, we port to Hisaka's story, which is awesome because the other story was dragging a little bit. So let's see how the murder clown is doing. It's not hard to imagine what Hisaka would have done, by the way, if he were in that majority rule room. He would have just have like card shanked the passed out dude and moved on with his life in the middle of the discussion. Like, I don't know why y'all are talking. I already put an ace of spades through his throat. So he is dead. Asaka enters a room where a former examiner of the Hunter exam from last year named Togari has been waiting for him. He wants revenge on Hasaka for scarring his face in last year's exam. Hasaka, as always, has judged his possible foes both last year and this year and says to Togari that he is inadequate. The scars that he inflicted upon Togari were due to Togari's weakness and nothing else, which is a pretty metal thing to say. Togari then attacks Hisaka with four blades, and Hisaka dances around them masterfully, like he's been doing tap, hip-hop, ballet, contemporary, slash modern, lyrical, flamenco, and Krav Maga since he was a chillin'. Hisaka, within the first ten seconds, actually gets clipped. There's this one little part where he does get clipped a little bit and bleeds, which is unexpected. I assumed going into this it would be like a god versus a mortal, but that's not exactly the case. We haven't seen anyone near Hasaka's power level, minus the examiners up until this point. Although, Tagari used to be one, so perhaps it makes a little bit of sense that he was able to cut Hasaka even a little bit. And then Hasaka catches two of the blades out of thin air like he could hear me talking shit. And then, during his monologue about how Tagari sucks in his weak little state, he licks the blade... As he's walking towards Tagari, like he licks his own blood off, which is some weird villain shit that I'm totally here for. As he gets closer to Tagari, 
Tagari exclaims, damn it. And then Hasaka cuts his goddamn head off. Fatality. After that, Hisaka then walks into the next room as it is announced over the loudspeaker that he is the first to pass the third phase and he did it in six hours and 17 minutes. Goddamn speed run, easy GG, go next. We then port back to our main adventuring party. They have 60 hours left and they're just still hard chilling, waiting for the blue dude to wake up. Kilowatt and Gon confer for a moment and they think Majitani might already be dead. So Mr. Oreo yells over for permission to go check his body, which I'm not sure why he needs permission but okay. And LaRoot says, okie doke, well if you think he's dead, and I think he's alive, let's make a wager. They decide that the stakes of this wager are going to be time. LaRoot's and Mr. Oreo's match will be a gambling competition, where time instead of the chips will be the prize. They have, between them, 50 hours to wager, and bets can only be made in 10-hour increments. Just a lot of parameters already, and this is why I never learned craps. I ain't got the time for your gosh dang rules. Also, it's hard, and I'm dumb. Hit me. So anyway, if LaRoot loses, 50 years will be added to their sentences, which they're in there already for over 100 years, so does that actually matter? How long do people live here? And if Mr. Oreo loses, then they have 50 less hours to get through this goddamn tower, so they'll have like 10 left at the end of it, which doesn't seem like a lot, although to be fair, Hasaka did it in six, although he's an evil superhero. Those are called supervillains, Ryan. They have a name! Again, from afar, Lippo is watching everybody, and he explains that LaRoot is serving a 112-year sentence for endangered species trafficking and illegal gambling, and that this match sounds like right up her alley. And again, I have to ask, how long do people live in this world? What is the life expectancy? Is it a 112-year sentence because they're just like, give her like a life and a half, so she dies in here for sure? Or do people live to their 150? Question mark. I don't know. As Mr. Oreo is about to go over there and start his gambling match, Pika Pika says, do a good job. And Mr. Oreo is like, shut the fuck up. You're the only reason this is happening in the first place. And for the first time, I agree with Mr. Oreo. Let's not make it a habit. Then the rookie crusher does his little annoying laugh. And he's happy about all the infighting and holy shit, how is he not dust? Anyway, if we were in a building, I would defenestrate this bro. And yes... I just said that sentence to use the word defenestrate. It's an amazing word. Look it up. First off, Mr. Oreo bets 10 hours that Mejitani is alive. So he was just about to, he was just saying that Mejitani is probably dead. So he just flip flops like a fish out of water here. But it works out because Blue Boy has a pulse. Kilowatt at this point points out that if Blue Boy never wakes up, the prisoners will get 72 years taken off their sentence, which is a bunch of incentive for this dude to never wake up, even if he becomes conscious. Mr. Oreo's next bet is whether or not Majitani is actually unconscious, though, which is a good move, which is hard for me to say. At this point, we get an inner monologue from Majitani, who, surprise, isn't actually unconscious, and faking it because when he woke up, he had a note next to his face that LaRue secretly put there that said, hey, if you wake up, keep your goddamn mouth shut and pretend you're asleep, you dickbag. So now, with his eyes closed, he is scared shitless to be found out as a pansy ass who's actually not unconscious. LaRoot bets 20 hours that he's really out cold, even though she knows he's deaf not, and asks how they're even going to figure this out. Mr. Oreo is like, oh, that's going to be really simple, and brings Machitani over to the edge and <laughs> hangs him over to the side. And he's like, okay, well... If he is conscious and I drop him, he'll be like, no, don't drop me and save himself. And if he's unconscious, I drop him and he falls and he'll be the dust the rookie crusher should also be. Which is a little ballsy. I like the implied future murder 
that this has to do with Mr. Oreo. This is the first thing Mr. Oreo has done where I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. And you know, I've been talking a lot about redemption arcs lately, how important they are to making a show good most of the time. Like for instance, I don't think Tick's redemption arc ever even occurred, let alone was finished in Lovecraft Country. And Mr. Oreo's redemption arc is, I think, the steepest mountain in entertainment that I've ever seen. But this is a good first step, Mr. Oreo. And it's just funny that the good first step in my mind is holding a dude over the edge to his death. LaRoot then changes her bet, which I didn't know was a thing you could do, but I suppose the rules are nebulous in this situation, and says that he is in fact conscious and bet all of the rest of her hours on it. Mr. Oreo then drops the blue boy who wakes up just in time not to fall over and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you dude and you lady? How dare you? The shit. He's like, I, I lost. Plain and simple. You know what? No worries. He won. I lost. I'm going back to prison. It was much easier to be in prison than to hang out with you gosh dang psychos. LaRoot's like, hey, Mr. Oreo. You knew he was conscious, right? And Mr. Oreo was like, <laughs> of course I did. I'm a doctor. Or I will be one in the future. And his eyes did a thing. And his heart did a thing that was vibing with him being conscious. And LaRoot's like, hmm, well done. But I just won a bunch of hours off you. 40 hours, in fact. And he's like, yeah, that's true. We only have 20 hours left. But we're up to one, which is pretty cool. And also, by the way, Kilowatt is the one on deck. So I'd say this is pretty well wrapped up. As long as the next match isn't like, okay, wait as long as possible. And don't kill this person who definitely deserves it. Because that's Kilowatt's weakness. That's a good way for Kilowatt to lose. Kilowatt will be like, oh, fudge. I'm just so good at killing. Here I go killing again. And then a wild narrator appears. <laughs> Magitani throws in the towel. I started it off normal. How dare you, Ryan? The narrator has a voice. This is where you get to do voices, Ryan. You don't get to do voices on the other podcast. The other podcast is serious. Okay? You do it with a man who wears a tracksuit. Everyone knows how serious that shit is. Gabagool. Majitani is in the <laughs> Majitani throws in the towel, giving Gon and crew a two to one lead. However, they are down eighty to twenty in hours, and it's LaRoot's turn to pick the next bet with Mr. Oreo. Holy shit! They are really milking this room, dude. They're gonna be in this room for another entire episode. This is the goddamn Frieza saga of rooms. What will the <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you again for joining me on this episode 10 journey. I really still like this show. I mean, we've been chilling here in this room for a little too long. I'll be honest with you. But trying to figure out who the shit gone is, is really interesting to me. I'm still really down for that. Mr. Oreo's perhaps long con redemption arc. Also something waiting in the wings, festering. A little bit on fire. So that's solid. Kilowatt's a really good character. I want him to murder more people. Every time he murders someone, which has only happened once, I've been like, sick. Pika Pika is a little infuriating, but you know, like you feel like that has to be a part of the group dynamic, right? There has to be one person who's like, um, this is a little fucked up, right? <laughs> this is fucked. We shouldn't be doing this. And then like you poke them and their eyes turn red and they're like, well, now I'm a murderous freak. Let's get into it. So that's good. That's like the gentle werewolf they have on their team. So yeah, this is a great show. I'm excited it's still occurring. And I'm excited you guys are still here with me. 
That's so nice of you. You guys are nice. Anyways, I love you, and I'm not afraid to say it. Say it back! Too aggressive, Ryan. Their love will come with time. You will earn it. The hard way. Through anime podcasts. <laughs> okay, bye.